Hello, hello, and welcome to an explosive episode of the Pick and Play Podcast. Uh, we are going to be breaking down the NBA today and predominantly the Harden trade and the ripple effect throughout the NBA. And we're going to get into Kyrie and all the things that come with it. And really, to give us that insight, to break it down and to, to spread it out. Leo, how you doing? That James Harden trade knocked me on my ass yesterday. I was just hanging out, having a good night. You know, I was drinking a little beer. And then all of a sudden, I look at my phone and see breaking <laughs> Wolves yeah. reports that, that James Harden is now a Brooklyn Net. I didn't really see that coming, to be honest, Lee. Uh, I, you know, I, I thought that a trade would come, especially after that Laker game, uh, I believe Monday night, where in the postgame in the postgame, James Harden essentially says, fuck this, we can't compete, we suck, get me the fuck out of here, uh, and he gets traded the next day. So when when I saw the interview, I, I assumed that a deal was imminent because you can't really get in front of reporters and say, fuck this team, and then expect to still be on the team. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I thought he'd end up in Philly. I didn't think it'd be Brooklyn. When DeMarcus Cousin comes out as the voice of reason for how you're treating your teammates, you, you may... You just may be on the wrong side. And I'm not saying that DeMarcus Cousins is a bad teammate. Um, he likes his games with technical fouls and there's other things he does that hinders your team. But DeMarcus Cousins, I don't feel like, is in that role to step up and be like, I'm a role model. So when you're fucking up that bad, uh, something had to go. And he looked like he was on, he was going to be an extra in the clumps. The way he was fucking looking out there uh, on uh, that. Right, so <laughs> I think the numbers really tell us a lot about what was going on with James Harden in yeah. the eight games that they played so far this season. Uh, his points per game, I mean, if you look at it on the surface, he was averaging 24, uh, basically 25 and 10. Yeah. And, you know, and if you told James Harden, if you complained to James Harden about 25 and 10, he'd probably look at you crazy. Like, yeah, I'm giving you 25 and 10. But. His efficiency didn't move at all from his career averages. So, I mean, he's shooting about the same. He's, he's really shooting the same efficiency numbers. It's really in the shot volume. Yep. So if, if you're just as efficient as you've always been, but you're taking uh, eight less shots, the, the 17 shots a game he's averaging so far this season would be his lowest since 2013. Uh, so really that just suggests that he's like, fuck it, no, I'm, I'm not – I'm not going to go to the rim. I'm not going to do anything <laughs> yeah. that's going to risk injury. Uh, you guys shoot. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and that bore out. And so, you know, if you're if you're the Rockets, you see that too, you know. <laughs> and so you had to make a move. It just – it kind of sucks if you're a Rockets fan because James Harden essentially said, I'm out of here, and the Rockets said, no, you're not. And then he goes, no, watch me. Yeah, and then he leaves. So I, I feel for the Rockets fans. That's got to suck if you're if you're a fan cheering for that team and you've been cheering for him now for seven years. I really think that the biggest thing to take away from it, if you're a Houston Rocket fan, um, you got to be worried. Okay, your team gets sold. New owner comes in, and goes. I really don't want to pay the luxury tax. Okay, that sends a complete ripple down the team because if you say that, you really kind of mean you don't want to win and it's tough to have that mentality and be a contender contender 
they really, like the new ownership, I feel like just kind of liked what Houston had. Oh, we're frisky. You know, we're frisky, but they could have been so much more. So then Daryl Morey, who's really widely respected across the NBA, he basically goes, I'm kind of out of here. Um, they come out and they go, uh, the head coach, why is his name escaping me? Uh, D'Antoni. D'Antoni is like, I'm out of here too. And everyone, you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You guys still have, like, this is not a team that needs a rebuild, right? Like, you can build around Harden still for the future. This team does not need a rebuild in any way. Why is everyone leaving it like it needs a rebuild? I'm not really sure. I'm going to guess that ownership has something to do with that because it seems Bingo. like ever since Fritita or Fritita, yep. however you say his last name, ever since he took over, things are just going south in Houston. If you look at it, they've now lost, in two years, they've lost four Hall of Famers. They've lost Chris Paul. They've gotten rid of Chris Paul. They've gotten rid of Russell Westbrook. They've gotten rid of James Harden. And they let Mike D'Antoni go. You can feel how you want to feel about Mike D'Antoni, but he will be in the Hall of Fame. Yep. So those are four people that are Hall of Fame bound that this team, this franchise has let go of in two years. So things are trending dramatically down for for Houston. The only thing that I think can save Houston at this point is John Wall somehow recapturing the old John Wall, which it looks like he might actually have some old John Wall in there. Yeah, if, yeah, there's something if that they would can shed build around him, then I guess there's a future there because they they have 19 million picks now uh for the next couple yep. of years, so they should be able to take advantage of that, but it's not looking good for that franchise. No, so Houston now, <laughs> it's so funny. Somehow Houston ends up, I guess you have to, but um, actually I want to take a, take a look at a microcosm here. Look at what, I, when I look at like OKC and I look at Houston, both kind of traded, tried to make something work, couldn't make it work, um, and then as they blew it apart, OKC turned everything in for Chris Paul as the side piece, and you kind of look at like John Wall is kind of that Chris Paul piece in this. They're like, oh, here's our still named star to come and see us. And OKC, though, immediately then dumped and flipped even younger with all those picks. Do you think Houston's going to be on the lookout here to be dumping John Wall and maybe Cousins? Like you said, they're, John Wall's playing like how Derrick Rose came back. And you're like, oh, there's some, there's, you know, there's some still usable parts here. Like this is still starter material. Do you think you could see John Wall and now um, uh, Cousins traded? Uh, they also got Oladipo in this whole thing. Do you see them doing something like OKC did, which is continue to liquidate assets? Or do you think they're going to go, oh, I'd much rather just pretend like I'm a contender and sit around the 7 or 8 seed? What I could see happening, and just to give a full picture of what the Rockets received in this deal, they got Victor Oladipo, uh, Dante Exum, Brooklyn's first round picks in 2022, 2024, 2026. Milwaukee's 2022 unprotected first round pick. They can also first round pick swap with Brooklyn in 2021, 2023, 2025, and 2027. way to go about this is to trade Victor Oladipo, trade John Wall, trade DeMarcus Cousins. Okay, maybe hold on to Christian Wood. Okay. Um, just because he's a young piece. 
but package wall and and all these pieces and maybe one of those picks or two because they got about eight <laughs> yeah so maybe one of those picks or two and try to land the young the next big young fish that, that comes up available you know if it's a Jalen brown that's available or if it's a you know devin book well booker's probably not going to come available now but a bradley beal you know i i would be looking to do something like that uh because you run into danger of falling into the Danny Ainge trap where Danny Ainge had a, a war chest of all these picks that he got from Brooklyn the last time Brooklyn decided to go all in <laughs> and didn't really do shit with it. No, they're you know, actually... Every single year we were saying, oh, yeah. is this the year Danny turns these picks into a, you know, a guy and then it just doesn't happen. I know that they got Tatum out of that whole thing. Actually, no, did... Yeah, okay, yeah. they did get Tatum out of that whole thing, but still... Uh, you need to be able to trust your your management and your drafting if you're going to try to use all these picks. The Rockets haven't really been known for their draft expertise. I don't remember the last star that they drafted. So I think that packaging all these picks and all these players and all that to try and get something is the best bet for them. No, and look, rebuilds and kind of what we're saying, kind of what you're saying in that the last time that the Nets did this was many moons ago. This is the Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett championship team. You, this is how long a rebuild can kind of take. <laughs> you could, and, and the Celtics have been good, yes, for a few years now, but not really championship contenders, which Houston undoubtedly was. So you really you have to understand that what what Houston gets. I really I agree with you. I think that they should move those pieces. Part of me says that ownership's going to want to sell tickets through this all, and they're going to be like, we think we can compete with Oladipo, Wall, and Cousins for the 7 or 8 seed. And I think they may be right. I think that that threesome might be, and they have other pieces, right? They still have Tucker. Um, so they have pieces. like this Yeah, they team, still have Tucker, Gordon, Christian yep. Wood. Like, there's still players on that team. So I think that they're going to try. I think this ownership, if this ownership is super fucking toxic, and this is what Houston fans should be most afraid of, in my perspective. If that ownership holds on to all those pieces and says, no, 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 we are still going for it. That, to me, is an ownership that's not willing to make the full step to do the total rebuild that they need to, to amass those picks that they could that they could get by doing a little bit of tanking and selling off assets. Uh, that would be the thing that wouldn't drive ticket sales up. Um, but to be honest, you can't have many fans anyway. Now's the perfect time. So we'll see. If they're truly, if that ownership's truly toxic, then I think that we're going to see them hold on to their assets. Yeah, just... I don't. I think that you're putting a lot of faith in your front office and your draft, uh, your draft team, and you know your scouts and all yep. that. If you're gonna hold on to all these picks and and really try to pick your way through this until you get a superstar, then you have to have massive trust. Yes. In your front office. Because yep. some of these picks, like the the picks, any pick beyond 2024. Yeah. So the 2023 pick swap, or I'm sorry, the 2025 pick swap. Uh, the 2024 pick, 2026 pick, like all of those might have high value because do you expect Harden, Kyrie, and, and KD to be there in 2026? I don't. No. Um, we may be talking about one of them might not be on that team in 2021. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. So like those later picks have extremely high value before we actually know what the pick is. Yep. You know, so it, it would be better to package them 
this offseason or maybe next offseason before you actually get to see what those picks turn into. Because right now they're just boundless potential. You know, yep. the, the the value of those picks is never going to be higher unless one of those picks ends up in the top three. So we talked about Houston. Now let's talk about the Nets. Let's talk about them. This is already was a top team, top dog, top team. Uh, there are a lot of teams in the East right now that really don't seem to find their footing uh milwaukee being one of them i'm not sure what's going on in milwaukee it's a kind of a weird thing um you've got the 76ers look like they've put it all together um and it's not that milwaukee's doing bad but i just don't think they've been as dominant as uh as we've seen them come out and maybe maybe they'll find their footing um but you know we have boston milwaukee philadelphia all at the top indiana now trades oladipo um orlando brooklyn is currently six seed how long is it going to take Harden to get together? And do you think with the addition of Harden now, they're going to push, you know, they should be able to easily eclipse and get that one seed. You're basically going to be able to track KD or Harden out every single night. Yeah, no, I, I 100% think that this team now should, on paper, we'll see how the chemistry works, but it should on paper be the number one seed in the East. I don't know if they're going to try to get that number one seed in the regular season. I, I don't know if they care. You know, maybe if yeah. you have KD, uh, Kyrie, and and James Harden, you, you're not really concerned with where you're playing. Uh, but I do think that this instantly makes them the favorite to come out of the East. You know, before the season, I thought Philly should be the favorite. I, yeah. I, well, at least they were my pick. Maybe they shouldn't have been the favorite, but they were my pick. Now, after this deal... If the Brooklyn Nets don't end up in the championship, it's a bust. Oh, it's yeah. championship or bust every single year while this roster's together. 100%. Um, I, I, I think when you look now, the East is easy pickings. <laughs> the, the firepower that the Nets have makes, I mean, what is it, Jalen? You know, it was kind of during the year, you're like, oh, Taysom. Uh, Jalen, uh, you know Tatum, Jalen. They're they're going to be a that's going to be a formidable. They shouldn't be coming into their own, but they're up against KD and Kyrie, and that looked like a tall hill to climb. And now you have Harden. I mean, geez, two of them will be on the court for every single minute of a playoff game. Right. That's actually the point that I wanted to bring up with everything. And I know that we're going to get to Kyrie in a little bit, so I don't want to step on that too much, yeah. but. With everything going on with Kyrie and the uncertainty on what games he'll play, whether he'll be available on any given night and this and that, the biggest value in this trade is that James Harden does not miss games. Uh, James Harden, if no, you look at his history, at he's a tank. He's out yep. there every game. It doesn't matter if he's hurt. We don't normally see him with injuries, but he's out there. He's a warrior. And so I think that that'll be super beneficial because now if Kyrie's on some bullshit – it doesn't matter yeah. like with, with Harden and KD. This is still the, if not the scariest pairing, it's the second scariest pairing behind AD and LeBron. So without even thinking about Kyrie, this team is instantly the title favorite in the East. Now you add Kyrie in, yeah. I don't, it, it, like I said before, championship or bust, they have to win. Yeah, so they are the biggest threat to the Lakers now. I still think the Lakers, here's my, here's the thing about Brooklyn. Uh, who's playing defense? 
nobody, and that's the problem that they got rid of their best interior defender in this deal. Yes. I like. I would have liked this deal a lot better if they got rid of DeAndre Jordan instead of Jared Allen. Yeah, they can't. I like the deal regardless. Jordan's their friend. I'm sorry. Jordan is Kyrie and Katie's friend. Right, right. And I'm sure that that is 100% the reason why he's still on that team. <laughs> yes, yeah. So now he gets AD for for 38 playoff minutes. Yeah, now, you see, despite all of this, I know that I'm saying it's championship or bust for them, but yeah. I don't actually believe that they're going to win the championship. I still have the Lakers. I think the Lakers win that series in six. Uh, AD averages 38 a game in I that know. series. Because who, what are you going to do with AD? I see that's the big thing. When I look at what the Nets did, and we'll get into the Kyrie thing, so because I'm going to put on a tinfoil hat and spin around. But I I really go, you know, it's so funny. The Lakers are set up to guard the perimeter and then tower you down inside. Like, that's what they want you to do. That's the ultimate what Lakers want you to do is play into AD. Right, Lock right. the perimeter. You basically play LeBron like a free safety, have your perimeter defenders, and then AD gets the paint. And you can run that against the Nets very well. The Nets will still get their points. But when when it flips and it's LeBron and AD capable of just bashing you inside, you have nothing. You're going to put KD on LeBron. Like that is not good. <laughs> You're going to put, you can't put Harden or Kyrie on LeBron. So you're going to have to get someone else on. And, and I really think you're right. They lost a lot of size inside. And I would be very worried about that if I were them. Right. <clears throat> their, their issues are going to pop up in the playoffs. That's without a doubt. The, the thing is, at least in the Eastern Conference, there aren't any bigs that are going to punish them like that. Uh, Giannis might punish them. Yeah. Uh, he definitely Embiid. has the the potential and and Embiid. But the Celtics, you don't really need to worry nope. about that. I know the Pacers have Sabonis, but you're not too worried no. about that. Uh, in, in the East, they should be just fine. It's yes. when they go and face the West, if they have yep. to go see AD or if they have to go see Jokic or you know someone of that ilk, that they might run into some problems. But really, I think it's just AD. They're, they're praying to the gods that they don't have to play Anthony Davis. Yep. If someone takes care of them, it's theirs to walk through. Okay. Let me ask you a question yeah, before we move on. I've seen, and I'm sure you've seen it already too, but it hasn't even been 24 hours since the trade went down, and I'm already seeing, uh, oh, is this move bad for the league? Is this, you know, is this, should this happen? Should this be allowed? Because we haven't really seen a super team form like this before. Normally when we see the super team, it's, you know, one homegrown star recruiting yeah. some other stars. This one was completely built by the players. Yep. And so I've seen a lot, I've seen that take already that this is bad for the league. And I just kind of want to, I want your take. I have my take, but I want to save it till I hear yours. I, I don't, I don't know if it's, so the truth is, okay, I'll, I will put on the hat I wear at work when I'm trying to drill down on an issue. I don't know what it is yet. I don't like the way it's going if I'm the NBA and I know that if I'm the NBA that I get more online clicks than I do actual viewership. I also know that this is a reason why people like players, not teams. This is more of a microcosm of the world I've created as an NBA team than it's an issue for the players. 
I think the NBA needs to figure out a way to lock these players down and the teams themselves need to figure out some sort of, the league needs to figure out some kind of um, injury or non-related uh, like compensatory program in some way. So if a player goes... Like the NFL does. Yes. If your self leaves or whatever, you might get a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick. They need to figure out what that means, and they need to figure out how to, how to create... The NBA needs to be creative and find their own leverage here. They've lost leverage. They know they've lost leverage. Now they have to figure out how they can create leverage. I don't view this as a bad thing. This is a business thing. Will it hurt the end product and in the end hurt the players? That is starting to become a trend where we are seeing viewership decline over a, pup, a couple years. And that means ratings are down, which means money will be down, which means you either need to find another revenue stream, which is why they're selling the jersey patches, by the way. Uh, so you've already done that. So you need to find another revenue stream or the salary cap's going to drop. Players are going to get less and then you're opening a world where players might move more frequently. So you, even more if the money's less and less, there's no caveat, to, there's no reason to stay. So I think it's a leverage issue. I think it is bad for the league in terms of, uh, I, think it, I think it hurts the players in everyone's pockets. But I don't think, I don't know. I don't think it's an overall makes the product worse. I mean, you basically have an all-star team. This is going to be one of the best teams to watch if everyone stays healthy, ever. Right, and so I wanted to make the argument that this kind of deal is actually good for the league. Mm. Okay. And the reason I want to make that argument is because uh, I think in this era, in this super team era, let's call it from, I don't know, when did the Celtics get together in 2008, yeah. 2007? Yep. So the last 13, 14 years. I think a lot of viewership is driven these days in the NBA by narrative. You know, I, I think that w narrative plays a big part because yep. the NBA is a little more uh, dramatic, I guess, than the NFL, right? And so I, I think that people like having that team to hate. People liked having that team, uh, liked that Warriors team. Maybe didn't like the team, but a lot of people were watching them just so that they could, you know, watch – or, or hope to watch a train wreck, you know, cheering against these teams. And I think that super teams, while it's it is annoying, and I can see why the uh, why the the former players don't like it, and why the media is always shaming it. But at the same time, I think it's necessary because now you have this centralized figure where everyone wants to hate them. Every Nets game on ESPN is the the views just went up. Any Nets game on TNT, anything Nets related, yep. Nets impressions, everything related to the Nets is going to shoot up because now everyone wants to see this. And so I think it, it might help the league a little bit. You kind of create a villain. And when you have a villain, I think more people are interested to see if people can take down the villain. Yeah, I think that it's it would be tough to say that having an enthralling New York team would be bad for the NBA. Right, it ain't right. The Knicks, I think but... that before this deal, the Lakers were probably the quote-unquote villain of the league. Yep. But too many people love LeBron and too many people love Anthony Davis to where, like, yeah, you can hate the Lakers, but I don't see too many people actively rooting against them because they like the stars. With KD, Kyrie, and, and Harden, these are probably three of the top five most hated people in the league. 
Yeah. Like, I, I think that people are going to be very interested in how this plays out, just because everyone loves talking about these three people anyway. Yeah, I, I want to see who gets left out in the cold out of this three. It's it's not a three. No. Oh, well, well, let's get into it then. Kyrie Irving, before this, wasn't showing up to play. And just because he didn't feel like it. That's all we know, right? He didn't feel like it. Right, That that's all that's official, at least. Are these related? Is at this... first, I thought that he might be sitting out because uh, he heard that his names were in rumors for this James Harden thing. Which is why he left Cleveland. Right, and... and... It, to be honest, if you want to avoid getting traded, that is the best way to tank your value, you know, to just stop showing up yeah. <laughs> and take whatever loss comes from those fines. Uh, so that that was my that was my thought process. I thought maybe he was sitting because he didn't he wanted to tank his value, make sure he didn't end up in Houston. But if he doesn't come back now that the whole James Harden thing is over, then that pokes a massive hole in what I thought. So I don't really know what to think. I'm trying to hold off on judgment yeah. until I know what's going on, but the longer it goes on and he starts popping up at parties and Which he's, he's doing. popping up on Zoom calls and Yep. You know, I just don't know. I he, don't know. We know this. He is available. He is having a good time. This is Kyrie though. And I want to separate the difference between people online cannot figure this out, okay? You are either pro-Kyrie and people should be able to do what they want. And then you at the same time say that, oh, but you can't hold that against him then as a teammate. And you definitely can. It sucks to have Kyrie Irving as a teammate some of the time. And it sucks bad. <laughs> Just for instance, how if anyone wants to know how players feel about this, you don't need to look any further than this trade. What did DeMarcus Cousins say about James Harden leaving them in the wind? James Harden was playing. Kyrie's just not. That's, that's where my issue lies in all this. I'm generally in the camp of leave Kyrie alone. Like, let him yep. let him do him. You know, if he wants to be on whatever type yep. of time he's on, then let him do it. It's fine. In this... In this case, I can't ride with this, though, because all of that is contingent on the fact that he's doing his job. You know, like yep. if you're out there and you're performing and you're playing basketball and you're healthy, then all the stuff that you say or do off the court, I personally don't care. Right. You could do whatever it is that you want. But when you're not playing and you're not there for your teammates and you're not, you know, when you're not doing your job. I can understand why people would have issue with that. And again, I don't want to pass judgment until we know why it yep. is that he's sitting. But, yeah, I can't defend you if you're not out there playing basketball. Right now. You know, that's that's kind of where that ends for me. We Okay, and, and this isn't unheard of, okay? Dennis Rodman did this in The Last Dance, right? LeBron did this in Miami, Le I think, the year after. Yep. Was it in Miami or was it in Cleveland? No, it was in Cleveland. Cleveland. I, I'm not, uh, I don't remember if Kyrie was on that team or not, but I do remember LeBron taking like a two or three week break just to like kind of uh, yeah. heal up his back or something. I think he got gotten some injections or something. So this is a page out of LeBron's playbook. We just don't know why he's gone. Here's the thing. The difference between all those other things is the team knew what was happening. The team was part of it. 
let Dennis go. Now, Dennis went off the reservation after that. Totally understand. But there was a game about to be played, and they're like, Kyrie's not here. <laughs> and we don't know where he is. And you're like, well, what the fuck does that mean? And this is where it goes. Kyrie does incredible shit off the court. Kyrie does incredible shit on the court. Between getting off the court and getting home, in between that space, there's a locker room. Inside that locker room, having someone who isn't committed to the team fully is and will always be a distraction. And as long as there are players and teams that are 100% focused, you will always leave yourself susceptible to a loss. That's sports. And that's what I think when, when I trash Kyrie Irving, I trash him the second he steps off the court and before he gets to his car. Outside of that, phenomenal. Inside that little space, I think he's a problem. And now we have Cavaliers, we have Boston, and we have New York. And this is not someone who was like, get me out of here because you're not making this work around me. This is someone who just said, get me out of here because I'm fucking done. There were stars in Boston. There, were, there was LeBron James in Cleveland. There's KD and Harden here. I find it weird that he starts sitting as rumors tick up and now we've heard nothing. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe on social media, he's welcomed hard and reached out to him. I thought I would see that streaming, you know, flipping through Twitter or, or, or Instagram. Like you would just see that getting, you know, mentioned a lot. I haven't seen any of that. And Kyrie said he wanted to be top dog somewhere. Where is he right now on that team? Oh, uh, definitely the third option. It's not close, right? No, and the thing that sucks for him, for, I'm sure from Kyrie's perspective, is that when you share with KD, KD can get his offense wherever. You know, like, you don't need to do anything special for KD. KD's going to go find his buckets because he's one of the greatest scorers in league history. But the arrival of James Harden takes the ball out of Kyrie's hands. Because, I mean, who would you give the ball to given the choice? Are you giving it to James Harden or are you giving it to Kyrie Irving? If, there's, if it's the fourth quarter, I'm giving it to Kyrie. Yes, yes, you're right. But let's say 48 minutes of the game, you're game planning. Let's say in yeah. practice, you're yeah. the coach. You're going to put the ball in James Harden's hands. Kyrie, yeah, of course. Kyrie shows up at halftime. James Harden leaves. That's how this works. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know what to say about Kyrie. What I will say is that I saw a Jared Allen interview, I want to say yesterday morning before this trade went down, where they ask him, hey, do you guys know where Kyrie, do you know what Kyrie's up to? Like, do you have communication with him? And Jared Allen's response was, we know where Kyrie, or we know what Kyrie's up to. We're giving Kyrie his space and we are, uh, we are going to welcome him back whenever he's ready. And so I thought it was funny that he got traded in the James Harden trade. Yeah. The guy that was on TV trying to hold it down. Trying to, and look, that guy, that is a, um, uh, that you, we talked about this offline, but that is the corporate, here's your note card, here's what you say, and, you know, stick to the script, bud, and this all just kind of blows over. Imagine if he got, imagine the shitstorm, if he gets up there and he goes, no, no clue, we have no fucking <laughs> clue where Kyrie is. 
You know what I mean? Like, there's no other option than to stand up there and be like, oh, yeah, this is so good. Imagine if we went... So they're, they're already the sixth seed. There's, already people think there's turmoil there. And there is. Kyrie's not playing basketball. And you go, hey, how do you feel about... Well, it sucks he's not here. You're like, okay, and not a bob with the weather. Like, it would be... You'd have to cut and move on. It would be so... It would be disastrous. I, if he doesn't come back... Uh, I mean... The only thing for Brooklyn is you go, well, I do have. And, and maybe part of this was the fact that Kyrie is souring. And they're like, we can get Harden, we get Harden. And if you trade Kyrie, you still get something for him. I don't know. It's going to be fucking interesting. Brooklyn is not out of the woods yet. They got to get Kyrie back before they can round that corner. So that we can think they're championship contenders. But I, with Kyrie doing what he's doing, you never know. He could just disappear in a playoff game. Right. I did see some reports yesterday uh, from New York reporters, Brooklyn reporters, beat writers, I believe, saying that there have been, you know, some rumblings of Kyrie not being very communicative with the front office (laughs) uh, and even that extending to the roster and Kevin Durant, that even him and Durant have been a little more distant lately. I don't know how much because it didn't come from Woj or Shams or, yeah. or well, you know, one of the Chris Haynes, one of those respected guys. So it could be fake news. The beat writers but are better. it sounds like what would be happening if you suddenly decide to leave the team. Yeah. The beat writers know, man. See, the thing is, the beat writers are, you don't, we don't get to hear from them as much. Because you hear from Woj. Because Woj only delivers the creme de la creme. But whoever's in the back making the appetizer, that's the beat writer. He's got the like juicy apps. He's walking around with like shrimp or something. And you're like, ooh, that's a good one. That's what that's what they're pulling out, and that's what you're looking at there. I, look, there's trouble in the water. You'll just, hey, I know we're doing this whole. I know there's a lot. You know, we're talking big brain Kyrie, and he's out there partying maskless with multiple parties, and you're like, okay. Your teammates are like, hey, I'm, you know, some of them are locking themselves down and they're not going to see part of their family and stuff like that because of this COVID situation. And you're looking at that and you go, what the fuck, Kyrie? So I think this is this NBA season. This is part of the issue. Also, the the online media world for the NBA is greater than everyone else. That shit is like a sitcom. It's a nonstop drama action, and, and that's what the NBA does well. Once they figure out how to capitalize more on that, they'll, 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 they'll round the corner. But I got a question that's a little off topic, but yeah. on topic at the same time. So we talked earlier about viewership in the NBA and how it's, it's down, yeah. and the NBA needs to find ways to get the, that viewership back. I've always been curious when it comes to these viewership numbers, are... The way I understand, or at least anytime I see viewership numbers, it's based on uh, television, right? Yes. It's, it's based on how many people are tuning into the ESPN broadcast on the ESPN channel, this, that, the other. Correct. Is that correct? Correct. So I wonder how much of the of a difference it is in how NFL fans and NBA fans consume their sports. Yes. You know, because with the NFL, you're – Nine times out of ten, nine point five, nine point nine times out of ten, if you're watching some NFL action, it's on your TV. Yes, but I don't watch any NBA on a, on cable. 
You know, right. it's almost completely through streams, uh, whether it be League Pass, whether it be uh, the NBA's website, you know, so on and so forth. Even some streams that may not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, let me not even go there. But <laughs> yeah, I, I just wonder if the if the if the huge difference lies in how everything is consumed, because the NFL has an older fan base. Yep. The NFL fans are typically going to be watching on their cable broadcast whereas the nba has a younger fan base and is more likely to be streaming maybe be watching it on twitch or amazon or or espn app or you know like there's a lot of more there's a lot more ways to consume the nba so part it's very interesting i wish i wish i'll have to find mark cuban has some good information but he doesn't even give you the full story because he can't um, well, I would say because he won't, not that he can't, but he doesn't for business reasons. But um, one of the things that I, I go, I, I see that, right? The, the, the online viewership is up. Now, the NFL still has a greater online presence. The, the problem for me lies in how the NBA markets its teams. Like, that's my biggest problem. There's no rivalries. The biggest fucking rivalry in, in NBA right now Right now is the Lakers versus the Celtics. And that's right. fucking that's fucking worthless. <laughs> like they don't play each other. Like there's no the, unless they're playing in the championship. Like that's the problem with the NBA. As a local fan and, and even if it is like you want to you want to say hey, well, how this is how we're doing online, which they do. You can see those numbers and they do get commercials on those and that's a whole nother section. But those numbers are still minuscule compared to getting a good rating on the television because as you said uh it's a younger generation that's just online and we're part of that younger generation but we still watch football on tv right and 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 we do watch the nba on other things but the other thing is we i don't i don't know there's there's never they there's just not as many good pulls uh like emotional pulls the games are they got to find a way, whether through mini tournaments, like the East breaks into like two smaller tournaments or whatever. Like, I don't know how you do it, but I really feel like it's not so much that people are on digital. It's that you can flip through NBA games in a way you can't with other sports. And I think that you have to find a way to make your product more exciting to people that can just get everything they want from your regular season game by clicking the box score. Don't you think that and we're getting way too off topic here, but let me just fit this in real quick. Don't you think that fantasy sports probably plays a huge, a, a massive factor in that? Because every single, almost every single man that I know plays fantasy oh, football. Yeah. And a large chunk of the women that I know now play fantasy football. Yeah. And a lot of people are watching these football games solely because of fantasy football. Like they don't give it they don't actually give a damn about the results. They just want to make sure that their players are doing well. In the NBA, I mean, the fantasy basketball is it's not the same as fantasy football and it's nowhere near as popular. How big of an impact do you think that has? Because I I know a lot of people that would not be watching these games if it wasn't for fantasy football. The football is a couple things that are different in just their, their nature, right? Football 16 games. They all mean so fucking much. And they, they really, they really it looks, it's a lot of fucking marketing put into that uh, fantasy football, right? Fantasy football, ESPN kind of cornered that early. They have multiple shows that run on fantasy football. I think the NBA's got to kind of follow suit. You know another thing that fans go absolutely gaga apeshit for? The fucking red zone. 
how come every night NBA doesn't have a well-known bucket zone or something? And they're just, as the games are going, you've got two great personalities breaking down all the highlights. And that would at least draw me more to the television. And if I knew that exciting games were going and there were two games left, I may flip over to that channel. That's also how you can steal viewership. Um, uh, you know, that is 100% accurate. I want to, yes, that idea is one that I've, I've brought up in private conversations. Like, why is there not a channel? Why? Maybe not even, uh, maybe one that just shows uh, the closest games that are being played, you know? Like anything that's within a, a, a three score, you know, something like that, where it's just bouncing back and forth between games so that you can catch them all. Because yep. I, as, a, as a fan of the NBA, I'll watch on my laptop because on the NBA's website, if you have League Pass, you can do a multi-box type of setup where I can watch four games at the same time, right? But I can't actually pay attention to four games right. at the same time. So, yeah. like, it would be nice if they had a channel where, I don't know, Shaq and, yeah. and Charles Barkley, or, you know, just as an example, they're just talking the game while it's flipping through a few games. I tweeted actually a couple weeks ago about how there was a blowout in one of the games that I was watching on TNT, and they started going around the league with the NBA on TNT crew. And so yeah. they just started jumping through games, like, all right, we're going to take you here. That's what they, they need started. to do. And that was amazing. Yeah. That's it. And you know what that does for the average fan? So they just watch one spot where all the fucking action happens. And then maybe, maybe you start to like a couple players or you like a couple coaches or you like a team. Well, now you start watching that team. Oh, I don't pay attention to players. I like the, t you know, I, I like the team now. Or at least you're now turning to a channel and getting that viewership. They, you, the NBA, baseball, and the NHL... Football has one day a week, and they said going through that whole morning, we're going to have one guy walk you through every exciting thing that's happening in our sport. You don't think they'd do that if they played every day? And there should be a nonstop fucking NBA bucket zone that I can buy for $120, you know, and, and I can just watch every highlight reel as it's happening and people breaking it down. That football is expanding in 8 billion directions. They do kids. On ESPN Plus, you can go on and watch a football game with like Rex Ryan and a bunch of former coaches and players, and they'll break the game down for you in real time. You can do that with football. NBA, I get whatever the fuck, whatever, you know, my local team is, the Wizards, so that ain't fucking fun, um, which is real disappointing for me. But, and then on the other side, you get what one game on TNT, and what's the best part that you? you I really feel this way. The the TNT guys are the best thing basketball has going right now. They're incredible. Absolutely. I mean, there's a reason why they've won Emmys. Right. So if you go, what's the best? What's the thing everyone on our or everyone loves TNT? Why the personalities? They break down film. This is all great. Okay. Okay. Now here's a new thought. Do it while the games are going on. I just the, the now, NBA is completely lacking on that. They do have something similar to what we're talking about, so I don't want to miss that. Uh, on NBA TV, they have a little thing that they call NBA Game Time, uh, where they kind of do what we're talking about. It's just not done that well because I'm I'm never I'm never in a rush to go watch that. Uh, 
if they and have so it, they don't market it. It's a lot more talking than it is game action. You know, like there's a guy talking to you about what's going on, but you're not seeing as much of it. If they have it, it sucks. <laughs> it does suck. It if, does. And if it sucks, then they don't have it. Which is separate from most cable packages. It's not even included in NBA uh, League Pass. Like, it's its own thing. That's and just shit. it's not that great. Yeah, it's just uh, if they have it, they're not using it right, then they don't have it. All right. Let's close the book there on Brooklyn, take a real quick tour around uh, the NBA and hit some open topics. So uh, I want to talk about standings real quick in the East. Boston's moved its way to the top through percentage points. Uh, Atlanta's now clinging to the bottom. Things are starting to right themselves. Uh, we didn't do an NBA pod last week. Probably a good thing uh, because we would have probably brought up the Nets, who have since not won a game. I mean, the Knicks, who have since not won a game. Um Couple surprises at the bottom. I want to run through with you and get your thoughts. Toronto two and eight. I think we said that this could be a down year. Yeah, probably shouldn't be that surprised. I'm gonna be honest with you. I am a little surprised because this team last year, this team from last year isn't that different. I know they're missing Marcus and Ibaka, but they were they were very respectable last season. And now I'm starting to think that might have just been off of pride. Yeah, you know, they might have just been performing off of pride because they knew they were the champions. Everyone was counting them out without Kawhi, and now this season it just kind of looks like the wheels are kind of falling off here. Yeah, and it doesn't look good. Uh, Siakam so. looks like he regressed a little bit. He does not look anywhere near as good as he has before. Uh, it's Van Vliet. It, it just it's a lot of bad. I saw them in person one time this season in the you know in the brief yeah. window where we could see games in person, and they it just looked like there was nothing special about the team. You know, like you try to point to to where they could try to make their bones and and get a few wins, whether it be on the offensive side or defensive side, they're bad on both sides. I think so. that. I really think that Siakam, one thing that happens, we call it regression, but what happens is someone figures you out and then you don't make any more movements. So the tide recedes on you. Uh, and what we're dealing with with Siakam is someone who I think the Heat kind of figured out what to do with him and how to abuse him, and he hasn't figured out a way around it. Now, we've been, he's a young player, and we've been in quarantine. So. I don't know how much of your mental growth can happen when when you're bottled up, but he has not made those strides. Uh, Washington is three and eight, who I picked to be a good team this year, and uh, for fuck's sake, they cannot fucking guard anybody. Holy shit! <sighs> now it's got to be a matter of time until Scott Brooks's job gets taken from him. Right. I would think, right? And and. And this team has talent. They're second in scoring. Talent? Yeah. It's just like you say, they, they're giving up 121 points a game. They're giving up 121 points a game. They're scoring 120. Okay, they're 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 second behind the Bucks. They're second in points in the East per game. How are you giving up more than that? That is insane. I mean, 121.3. That is the most in the East. More than the fucking Chicago Bulls. So you are just. <laughs> so the last time we uh, recorded, or at least the last time we did an NBA pod, we were talking about the Wizards and what was wrong with them. And I pointed out the fact that their their defense is terrible. And a lot of that has to do with the interior defense. Yep. Thomas Bryant just 
is not a great interior defender. Like, there's no really, there's nothing, there's no other way to put that. He's just not that great on defense. Now his minutes are getting soaked up by Robin Lopez because I, I believe uh, Brian is out for the year. Don't quote me on that, but he's hurt. Uh, and so I, I want to see if now we see a little bit more improvement. So they played their first game without Thomas Bryant last, no, two nights ago against Phoenix. They only give up 107 and win 128 to 107. Uh, just something to watch. If their defense improves with Thomas Bryant out, because Robin Lopez is a much better defender, he, you know, he might not be a shot blocker, but he's normally in the right positions on the floor. Uh, then you, you should see this team at least get to average if they're one of the most yeah. elite offenses in the league. Yeah, and it's just disappointing. Uh, well, we already kind of touched on New York. Miami has been kind of back and forth, not really doing anything spectacularly well. Four and five, you think they'll write that ship? You think they'll, they'll, they'll be able to pull that around? I see room for them to move up, but I don't know. Time's escaping them. Yeah, I think so. Jimmy Butler, he's only played a handful of games this season. I, I don't think, or I, I think he's missed a few games now. And so uh, as long as they're missing Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo in the lineup, I'm not really looking into their results too heavily. Uh, what I will say is that they need to get Jimmy and Bam back before they end up in a hole that they can't climb out of because uh, I, I, the Miami Heat aren't traditionally a team, at least since LeBron left, they're not a team that traditionally is blitzing the regular season. So if you want to be a playoff team, I think that it's important for a team like Miami who doesn't you know, have the superstar to just put them on their back. Uh, I, I think it's important for them to start stringing some wins together. Yep. And they have a stretch coming up where they're going to face Boston and then Philly twice. You need to get it. I think you need to get a W or two in that stretch because those are the teams that you're chasing. Yep. Uh, continue to climb. Atlanta, I expect a kind of drop. I, I just don't ex- – their defense is going to catch up with them. Uh, Trey Young will, yeah, this will ebb and flow. I don't know. When I look at the bottom here, I go bottom four, right? Well, let, let's lump them in. Let, let's talk one fell swoop. Let's talk four through really eight. Um, I think we're pretty resolute on the fact that Boston, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia are right where they're going to be, and they're going to fight that out. We are in agreement that Brooklyn's going to be in the playoffs. So what we're looking at is Miami possibly being able to move up. Atlanta, Charlotte, Orlando, Indiana. Indiana just was part of that Harden trade, gets rid of Oladipo, who was looking good, but they're going younger, more controllable. Who doesn't make it? If I had to put some money on it right now, the least talented team, in my opinion, of uh, let's let's call it five through eight because we're saying Brooklyn's in, uh, I would say that the Orlando Magic are the least talented team among that group. Uh, but they're better coached than some of these teams. So I would have to say that Atlanta would be the team that might fall out if Miami is going to surge. I think that the Hornets, I wanted to wait a little bit to talk about the Hornets. I wasn't sure if I wanted to talk about them on this episode, yeah. but we might as well. The Hornets look like they're for real. Yeah. Gordon Hayward looks like he's back. He's, he's putting up some career numbers right now. The LaMelo ball thing is working out amazingly for them so far and I really thought that the perfect situation for LaMelo would be a situation where he could come in and kind of take a back seat for a little bit you know I didn't want to see him end up on a franchise where they hand him the keys and go all right go ahead like this is all you yeah 
and, and on the Hornets, he has that. There's plenty of veterans on the Hornets. You got Michael Jordan in the front office. Like, there isn't that much room to be fucking off. Right. And, and so I, I like the Hornets. I think that they're there to stay. Atlanta would be the team that I think would have to fall off just because I don't know how well they're coached. And uh, Trey Young looks, I don't know, he's been looking human over the last couple games. I know he was hurt, but I don't really know what's, what's going on with him. Ever since I pumped him up and said he was more skilled than Luka, they've gone in the opposite directions. <laughs> Luka's turning it all the way up, yeah. and Trey Young looks like he forgot how to play basketball. So I don't know. I guess we're going to have to wait another 10 games to see what, what's going on with that. Last thing for the East, uh, we have Embiid, 25-1. to 1. That's looking on par. He's on the top of a lot of people's lists, so that looks good for us. Did you see him the other night against Miami? Him and Hero were going back yeah, and forth back and in forth. the fourth quarter, and he looked that looked like an MVP-type performance. Yeah. Like Those are the performances from Embiid where you watch him and go, See? <laughs> that's what I fucking need every yes. night. Yep. You know, that's... that's that was the way I reacted watching that. Like, Embiid, you could give me this every single night. I want it every, every single night. night. Yep. All right, let's so hop I, over to the West. Ben Simmons fouled out, and I think that gave him a little more freedom to do his thing, and he responded. I think that when the team saw that, they were like, well, will Washington trade us Bradley Beal for Ben Simmons? That's my dream trade, so I'm going to keep holding on to it. Um Let's mm, that would be delicious for them. Delicious. Uh, it would be exactly what that team is. Let's flip over to the West and do a real quick run through, try to get out of here. Um, <laughs> Hold on. Let me stop you before you start with the West. All right. The Los Angeles Lakers, we know we know where my, uh, where my allegiance lies. Yep. This team looks like far and away the best team in the league. These dudes are out there having a great time. Last night I'm watching, uh, I'm watching the Lakers and – uh, there's a brief moment they're they're winning by 30 and there's a brief moment where KCP gets fouled and, and he's laying on the ground and he's you know he's waiting for K or waiting for AD to come help him up AD helps him up and then starts playing around with his hair he has yeah. little braids a little twist and he just starts <laughs> kind of throwing him around and messing with him and I'm watching that thinking if AD's trolling KCP in the third quarter of this regular season game this team <laughs> this team is going to be rolling by yeah. the time the playoffs start. They can still make moves to make themselves better. Their collective IQ is through the roof. Marcus Gasol is a perfect little off-the-bench player. Um, I think he's going to have more trouble in the playoffs, but we can check that off the list. The Lakers are 10-3. and They're undefeated on the road this year. Um, so if their home record picks up, they're only 3-3 three and three at home. If their home record picks up, their road record obviously will go down a little bit, maybe. I think this is a team that's sailing towards a first place. Uh, pretty rather quickly Um, just to flip through I don't really have anything to add about the Clippers I think the Clippers are the same team we saw in the bubble yeah yeah Uh, with the Clippers I don't care what they do in the regular season like all 72 of these games for me in watching the Clippers it's a dress rehearsal for the playoffs yep Uh, I'm not even watching them that heavily right now so the one here's the two call outs I have for the West Dallas they get KCP back. They're rolling. This is this is now starting to approach how Luka's been playing, where he's going. This is where you could see an MVP start to take shape. Uh, it took a little long, but we, we could make it from here the rest of the way out. They're six and four. They they could they could make some magic here and make make some motion. Um, I, I think that they're they're not to me. They're just not as complete as some of these other teams. But I think you could see a nice run out of them. Right. I, th- Luca probably threw a party last night. He finally gets his sidekick, uh, Christoph Porzingis, yep. back. 
Kristaps in his first game back, I think he had 16, had a couple blocks, a few rebounds. So that's exactly what the Mavericks need. Yep. If they can pick it up, yes, Luka will be right back in the MVP uh, conversation. But uh, with the Mavericks, they're another – well, actually, no. I wouldn't put them in the Clippers category. I am actually no, interested yeah. to see how far that they can take it in the regular season. Yeah. With the two L.A. teams, I just – I don't know. I find myself not watching them as heavily, even though the Lakers are my team – I kind of already know what what they've got going on, you know, so I don't spend as much time watching those teams. Yep. All right, back to the let's go to the bottom of the West. Flip on down. Your Golden State Warriors. Hey. Are there to stay? Are there to stay? Did They're, you notice Draymond came back and all of a sudden they look like them? Yes. Again? He's too fucking smart. He's too People good of a player. Draymond. I told my a buddy of mine the other day that Draymond was a Hall of Famer, and he looked at me like I had just shot his his kitten, you well, know. And I said, "No, like, look, <laughs> the numbers might not be there, right? If you just look at yeah. Draymond's averages, you look at him and you go, eh, you know. But when you watch the Warriors play and you watch how he he makes the offense run like a smooth, well-oiled machine, you it, know, because he makes the right pass, he's yes. directing traffic. Draymond is just great. He I, is a Hall of Famer." He is a yes. Hall of Famer. He's got what two rings? Um, he's got three. Three he rings. With them. He's yeah. a Hall of Famer. He's a starter on a team that defensive is, player of the year. He, you don't need any more than that. That's it. So I do want to take one quick pit stop. People are calling the Nets a better team than the Warriors were with KD, and. That has to stop. That you you cannot compare. <laughs> uh, you had Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green. For two of the years, you had a useful Iggy. Sean Livingston's coming off the bench. You had essentially five Hall of Famers in your lineup. These are not. This is this is not this is not the same. If you were comparing them online, man, the depth of the Warriors is what made it so crazy. They're like, well, we're gonna start five Hall of Famers, and you're like, well, that fucking sucks. Like that, you know. And they were more well-rounded. They could do more things. I, I want to pit stop there and go. I don't want to hear any of that. They're not even close. No, it's not the same at all. Especially when you consider the fact that two of the Hall of Famers in Golden State. Uh, not including KD, Stefan and Clay are probably both in the top five shooters ever. Ever, <laughs> right? And and Andre Iguodala has uh, an MVP, uh, his Finals yeah, MVP. Finals MVP, yeah. Uh, this is your team. <laughs> that that's your fifth guy. Your fifth guy is going to look. He didn't lock down shit. Anyone who says he locked LeBron James down, that is stupid shit. LeBron's stats were still nuts. But he, he right, locking. Right. But the numbers with Iguodala on him did take a dip. Yep, did take a dip. He did better with him. That's it. He couldn't hang with him the whole time. Getting Finals MVP for getting less dominated by LeBron than your teammates is crazy. Yes, that's how you got it. Okay, and and that's the that's how good he was though. Okay, like that's that's a, so the Golden States. They look like they're writing the, they're not just writing the ship. It looks like they're going to be contenders. And honestly, if you get them in a seven-game series, they could get hot on you once. Um, and the last team I really want to talk about here, San Antonio. 
What in the fuck is San Antonio doing at six and five? Just San Antonio things, huh? DeMar DeRozan's been fucking nasty. This fucking Spurs team, six and five. Right, it's not something that quiet. I expected from the Spurs. Very a very quiet six and five, but uh, they. I've watched maybe two or three Spurs games, a, a, a good, a good decent amount of the game, uh, and. DeMar DeRozan is what stands out to me. He's taking threes. He's making threes. He's playmaking. Like, DeMar DeRozan looks like a brand-new player. Yep. And we kind of saw this at the beginning of last season, so I guess we need to wait and see if if DeMar DeRozan is going to do this all year. But he's averaging a career-high seven assists per game. Like, yeah. he's really out there playmaking. And so, uh, Pop has something to work with. <laughs> it's just so funny. Um, now, here's the thing. There are two teams with a minus point differential that are currently in the playoffs in the West. That's Golden State, large part to how they started the season. And San Antonio, San Antonio who has a minus .9 uh, differential between their points per game and their you know, opposing points per game. Um, there are There is one team, the Denver Nuggets, uh, knocking on the door. So that's going to be, honestly, the West, that, that play-in game the West's going to have, that little tournament they're going to run between like 7, 8, 9, 10, that's going to be so fucking cool. Well, I can't wait to I can't wait to break that down. That's things that the NBA is going to do. That's going to be fucking awesome. Breaking that right. that's going to be cool as shit. So that's going to be real fun. All right, parting thoughts. Uh, my only parting thought is uh, really just the Denver Nuggets, which you just touched on. They, to me, they were going to be a top three seed in the in the West this season. They're starting off five and six. They're currently ninth. Uh, they're twenty ninth in the league in rebounding. 23rd in defense so uh, you can identify their problems pretty quickly just by looking at their their team stats yep they can't rebound and they can't defend and i don't know how you fix that and i'm pretty sure that they're hurting more than they thought they would from losing jeremy grant yes Uh, he gave them good minutes he was not a big name he wasn't putting up massive stats but he did give them good minutes on defense and on the boards and now they I don't know how you fix this issue. I think you have to trade Porter. He's too much of what you already have. Would you trade Porter or would you trade Murray? Shoo! Mm. Because Murray's been pretty inconsistent to start this year. I thought that we might get Bubble Murray every game from now on, but we have not been getting Bubble Murray every game. Hmm. I honestly can't answer that right now. I don't know who I'd take. I'd take Murray. I, yeah, I'd take Murray, but I, I, I wouldn't gun to my head. That's where I'm at. But if it's not something I'm resolute on, you know, maybe the bullet will jam in the chamber. Right. Um, I, I like, I like Jamal Murray, but he's now he's 27. Oh no, I'm sorry, he's not 27 years old. No. How old is Jamal Murray right now? 23. 20. Yeah. Yeah, he's 23. He's, right. Old. 23. He's averaging 19 and 3.8 assists. I need more than 3.8 assists. Yes. He, I need. Uh, I think that <laughs> I think that Denver doesn't try. I think that's what they run into. Uh, you see it that's all. That's not good. It's just yeah, I know, but that's what we're seeing out of them. What are the two things they're not doing well? Rebounding. Uh, you, you, that's all effort. You got to be fucking making effort. If you're not making – that's all rebounding is, is that drive to go get that basketball and then get back on defense. They're just not doing it. So I think you got to get rid of either Porter or Murray, and I'd rather get rid of Porter. But, yeah, that's where I'd sit. Okay. I'm with you on that. I, I just think that they don't have rebounders. You know, like no, they don't. Effort, 
effort will take you a long way, but when you're relying on on uh, on Paul Millsap to get you some rebounds, like I love Paul Millsap, but at this point, Paul Millsap is 35 years old. Like, yeah, and he's six seven. He was undersized to begin with, right? And Jokic is good, but he's not an elite rebound. I just don't know where these where the solution comes from. Yeah, nah, look, I'm I'm aligned with you. I I I you're gonna have to go get a piece because you don't have it on this team. All right, that does it. Right about an hour ran through it. That's pretty good. Pretty good to get through it. Um, you can find Leo pick and scroll on Twitter. You can find me pick and play. 37 uh remember always rate subscribe review reach out to us check it out a website coming later this year that we're going to try to pull everything into but more details on that later uh remember stay safe out there and until next time peace